Hello, welcome to Be Make Do with Soul Makers podcast, where we talk about what it takes to pursue your calling as a culture maker with spiritual wholeness and creative freedom. I'm your host, Lisa Smith, and it's my passion to encourage and inspire you to become who you were created to be, make what you were created to make, and do what you were created to do. And today I'm here with Dan ABH. Welcome. Hello. Hey, we're very excited to dive into the next installment of our conversation about the wise-hearted ones, which is this incredible story in Exodus where God calls artists by name and by heart to create an environment in the middle of the desert that would shape them and remind them of who they are. It's just an incredible and beautiful story. And we're taking this bit by bit so we can really dive in and enjoy all the little pieces of it. So this installment, the second piece, is looking at the aesthetic framework that God is creating for his people. So I'm going to stop and just on that word aesthetic and define that for a second. When we're talking about aesthetics, we're thinking about beauty generally. But it's more than just, oh, that's pretty. It's also a bigger conversation about what is beautiful, what someone has decided is beautiful, and also included in that is what is appropriate or useful. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. Yeah. So when an architect is designing a building, right, they are obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but they're not just thinking about um, how do I get this building up? How what's obviously they think about the things that are going to make it a strong building that'll stand over time. How many people are going to fit in it? But they're thinking about more than just that steel and concrete and glass. It's not. It's not usually just enough that a building appears where where there wasn't one before. Ultimately, they are designing a structure to solve some sort of problem. They're thinking about the aesthetics about the beauty of the space. But like I said, included in that beauty is a sense of what's appropriate or what's useful. Architects are concerned and designers are concerned in a lot of ways with helping people to live their lives in a way that's more human, more humanely. Is that, have you ever been like, have you ever been in a space where you just like you've, you've really felt uncomfortable or you just like hated it. Can you think off the top of your head if there are any spaces like that? Yeah, a few venues come to mind that <laughs> yeah. I performed in where the aesthetics didn't matter unless like the aesthetics were like a bathroom full of like band stickers and maybe it, uh, it's not as uh, clean as you want it to be. <laughs> yeah, but then, But then I get really like, I get really suspicious in like really beautiful venues where everything is perfect and there's so much ah, staff. It's yeah. really weird. It's, where it's like too pristine. Yeah, like it's can't like touch anything. something doesn't seem right in mm -hmm. here, and I'm afraid that our amplifiers might be too loud for this pristine place. Uh, oh yes, yes. Is that weird? No, that makes total sense right. because then it, it it inhibits you because like you have to be quiet and behave or something. Yeah, it's like, like it's not. It's, appropriate. It's like you're performing in a library, but it's not a library. Right. Yeah. So that's great. That's a really great example of both of those, both of those ends. Like it, it on one hand, maybe it feels yucky and uncomfortable and you don't want to be there. But on the other hand, it's not making you feel comfortable either because it's too perfect. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Those are great, great examples. That goes to uh, this larger conversation, you know, that the idea here is that what goes in, what surrounds us, how we curate our lives, the things that we, that we surround ourselves with shape us. Like if you are not conscious of that, and I'm sure you are conscious to a certain degree, like how you arrange your home or your studio or even your car reflects what makes you feel comfortable. And if you do it intentionally, who you want to be or how you want to be or how you want people to feel in your space. God is aware of that. And in fact, I mean, this is what we see in Exodus is that God is uses the reality of how aesthetics shape us to help make us feel comfortable in the world, to make us aware of God's presence and if we're paying attention to shape us into what it means to be human from God's perspective. And we see that in the the world around us. I, I think it's it's no... Uh, it's it, it's not coincidental that people often talk about going to the ocean or having that mountain view and then they feel connected to something bigger than themselves. I think we see in Exodus and in Genesis, we th- see throughout the Bible, that's on purpose. Right. That's not an accidental thing at all. Like God's like the main architect and everything that God made in the beginning was very, I mean, God didn't make anything uh, ugly or distracting. It, it was curious and beautiful looking. Yeah. Like, you know? I love to bring up curious too. Yeah. To pique our curiosity and engage us in yeah. the world. Well, that's all. All of that is what God was doing in this tabernacle story. So he's clearly done it in the natural world, created the sense of beauty. And then as he's creating this space that's designed for his people to meet, to worship, but also to govern and to be reminded of who they are and whose they are, he takes those same aesthetics and applies, I just want to be like, takes buckets and buckets and buckets to apply to this tabernacle, these chapter after chapter after chapter of God designing a way for his people to live in happiness and wholeness with him. And the way that he does that is to use intricate beauty. So he has this, this whole story is placed right up against the giving of the laws, the Ten Commandments. So that's there. But right next to it is this incredible structure he builds uh, with the, the harnessing the power of aesthetics to shape the hearts and the lives of his people. It's just really incredible when you really spend time looking at the ornateness of it and understanding that it was used as a gift and a tool to shape people. You you start to see the importance of aesthetics and you, you start to see why the arts were given to us by God. And we start to get a clue as to what the intended purpose of art and art making was to be in the everyday day-to-day aspect of our lives as humans living in community and in society. Now, in light of all that, I want to pull back and apply it to a bigger conversation about why art making matters. And so I am so excited because we brought in my good friend, Dr. Elise Edwards, to talk with us and help us unpack it a little bit. 
I have my good friend here for an excellent conversation. I just know we're um, exploring part of the Wise Hearted Ones um, book and some of the, the pieces and thoughts that are in there. And I just thought it would be perfect for today's conversation to have my good friend, Dr. Elise Edwards, to come and um, have a conversation around all of this, because I'm sure you have lots of thoughts. So welcome, Elise. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And I do have lots of thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to, by way of introduction, Elise is a an assistant professor of ethics at, in Baylor University's Department of Religion. And I actually wanted to read part of your bio because it's really good. And I thought it would be better to do it that way. Elise's research is interdisciplinary, which is important to this conversation, I think, moving between fields of theology, ethics, architectural theory, and aesthetics to examine issues of civic engagement and to question how Christian beliefs and commitments are expressed publicly. As a Black feminist, Dr. Edwards focuses her research on cultural expressions by, for, and about women and marginalized communities. She's working on her first book, Building Justice, Theological Commitments in Architectural Design, which is about Christian values in architecture, which I'm very excited to read. And obviously, we'll have a lot to bear on this conversation as well. And in addition to all of that um, important academic and thought work, she's also a good friend and has been a part of the Convergence community forever since before the beginning. So I'm really excited to to have you to be able to pick your brain on this topic. And um, yeah, think a little bit about, you know, at the end of the day, why it matters that we make art. Yeah. What is the point of art? Is it more than just something nice and fun or decorative? Or does it serve a larger purpose? And within our context, does it serve a larger purpose by design? Yes. Was it intended for that? Yes. So these are conversations we have a lot of. <laughs> do you have, I mean, do you want to like, is there anything just off the top of your head from, from sure. that, that you want to kind of? Just the, the obvious answer to the question, right, is, is does art matter? Is it more than just decorative? Um, the, the answer is yes. Art matters. It, it is more than decorative. Uh, it does it does things for us. It transforms us. It allows us to access certain kinds of skills and what one of my friends, Fiona Bond, would call superpowers that, that we can't uh, get to uh, through just uh, ideas or uh, linear processes or, you know, what we might call rational thinking. Uh, the arts and and art making um, opens opens us up in in ways that uh, other types of media do not. So, from just a very basic uh, standpoint, the arts are essential, and that is part of I think God's design for uh, what it means to be human. Yeah. Okay. Well, good answer. That's it. <laughs> the answer is yes. Settled. <laughs> Settled. And done. Yeah, this is why. Okay, so I will go where I was gonna. I was gonna say I could say a lot of things about that. The why do we need to continue having a conversation where we build a case for it? Because I think from from an artist's perspective, it does seem to be self evident. There's 
probably something in our just sort of makeup, but also in our training and the way that we've learned to see the world where that just becomes self-evident. But um, I think even so, the level to which art impacts us on a subconscious level um, the the engagement with it in our daily lives is probably something that m- most people are not paying attention to right. as much. Well, I, I think that's that's partly because of the way that um, art gets separated from different kinds of activities that we do, right? But the, this idea that um, someone can appreciate art, right, is 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 fine. You don't have to be an artist to do that. But that act is is separate from the other things you do in your life, right? So right. you go to your job and then you might go to an art gallery opening if you're of a certain class and, and live in a certain kind of city. But that's a different kind of activity than your day-to-day work. Right. Yeah. And I, you were, I think you hit upon the crux of, uh, or one of the crux of the problem this idea of appreciating art, um, we understand that in in a singular or in a particular way. We understand appreciation of art as something that you go to see or you hang on your wall um, where you might have some sort of intellectual or emotional reaction to or you might just appreciate the um, the technical aspect of it. But this deeper understanding of it being uh, something that can shape you or shape a culture or shape an environment, or not that it can, but that it does. The choices that we make, aesthetic choices that we make, do shape us. And to think about that intentionally and then to think about that the- theologically, I don't. I don't think that the power of that or the implication of that is always um, felt. And for artists, I think that to to put on that hat feels a little intimidating, and maybe like I'm taking steps into land that is not mine. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a pastor. I'm not. Who am I to step into that land? And so again, to understand that not as like. The, the role of art is not necessarily to teach us something or to force something, but there is something in the aesthetics that has the capacity to shape us. And how do we engage that as artists from a theological perspective? Yeah. And, and I think what you were saying earlier about why do we need to make this case, right? Why, if it's, it, seems self-evident to many of us, except we're not thinking about the subconscious ways that right. that art is shaping us and that culture around us is shaping us. You know, we're, we're not aware of it, and yet it is. So I focus a, a lot of my attention on architecture, and, and this is all about what I'm convinced, and, and I'd say many architects are convinced about the, the power of architecture, that it actually creates the spaces in which we do things. So that's fairly obvious again. I mean, yeah, that's what architecture is. You create shelter and, you know, architecture as opposed to, you know, just ordinary buildings, if you're into these kinds of distinctions, is going to be an architecture, it's going to be a building that has some, you know, very thoughtful, aesthetic intent behind it, you know, like maybe you're 
garden shed that you get from the big box hardware store isn't architecture, but maybe your house is, right? It has to do with the level of um, aesthetic intentionality that, that went into that, to the design of it. But both of those things then make certain possibilities available to you. So in um, Andy Crouch's book, Art Making, or Culture Making, rather, he talks about the, the horizons of possibility and impossibility. And so once you create spaces that, that are there for a certain purpose, which, you know, most architecture is purpose-built space in some sense, uh, it allows things to happen that couldn't happen before, but it also makes it so that certain things can't happen that happened there before or or that might have happened there before. See, that's I love that. It makes it possible that certain things can happen that couldn't have happened and makes certain things not able to happen. That's really powerful. And that like that's a that's a perfect uh, kind of segue into this story in Exodus, which I think is the quintessential artist calling story, but to get to that part is this first part where I think we have to have our minds blown that God acts as this incredible designer architect to build a structure, to build an environment for his people, the tabernacle in the middle of the desert. But if you really let yourself be overwhelmed by the level of intricate detail in the design by God, you can't escape that the aesthetics are really important to God. He's not leaving that to anybody. It's all very specific. And if you link it to this idea that you just said, that the architecture makes it possible for certain things to happen, which wouldn't have happened otherwise, and makes it impossible for other things to happen that would have happened otherwise, then it's like, ding, ding, ding. So what's going on in this story? If we're, we're talking about that architects and designers are really trying to solve a problem, with their, we're trying to do something in particular with the architecture, um, then yeah, what does that say about what God is doing in this tabernacle design? But I was thinking about um, like when you design a space at home, you're talking about going to you know a box store and, and getting stuff, or you're you're doing renovations, or even just choosing what sofa and the placement of that in your space. We kind of rearranged and redid our living room a couple years ago, and we have a very teeny tiny little living room, but we added a second sofa because I noticed over the years there was never a place for people to gather. We didn't gather in the living room because there was only one space and it, it, there was no TV or anything. It just didn't, there was nothing to gather us. And we added the second sofa and now people gather, we hang out there. So creating this structure, which m invites us to gather together, to relax together, to just sort of hang out together. And it's the space and the way the space is, is designed that's making that happen. It's for the people who inhabit that space to be overwhelmed by the provision and the uh, care and the faithfulness and the righteousness of God that in the midst of daily life, when things get hard and you're living in the desert and there's not a lot of variety going on in your diet and other things like that, to be in this space to remember who God is. 
is if we if we buy all of that, if we take all of that and we really internalize that that the design elements that we see in nature, that we see in the tabernacle, that we just we see in each other, um, are really important to God, then what might that say to those who are creatives, who are artists, um, about about our calling and how how can we keep in mind how what we create affects the world around us um, with, with the humility, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, how can we take that on? Yeah, well, I think part of understanding what it means theologically to be committed to creativity, I think goes back to this idea of knowing that we have to have a vision and that that vision that we are casting says something and then directs people in a particular way. So it's knowing from the very outset of our identity as artists and our activity as artists that what we're doing does make this difference and that we're being intentional about it. So there are always outcomes that we can't intend right. or that we, we don't imagine. But when you start with a clear intent and that intent is aligned with what you see God's activity in the world being, or you see your part of God's activity in the world being, then then that makes things um, better. So I can imagine for a filmmaker um, it, who has a mind to bring to light a certain social issue, right? That's the intent. That's the design intent. They're going to make an ex. They, of course, they want to make an excellent film that has all the the technical things that uh, has this evocative narrative. Um, but the the vision is to really highlight a particular social issue or a historical thing or something. They want to bring this to light. That's the vision that is um, motivated or from a, a Christian's perspective could be aligned with what they see their part of, of God's kingdom as being, uh, of calling to light this particular thing. Um, someone else might be um, a, a different kind of artist, might really be about bringing this beauty to, to the world, of showing something that brings these senses of awe or transcendence or calm or peacefulness, right? Whatever it is they're trying to evoke through that beauty as a way of saying that this is part of God's creation, whether they're they're depicting something natural or not, right? But the, that beauty is part of God's design and that we're supposed to experience this delight uh, that that comes from from beauty. Uh, with architecture, it could be something like you know designing a space where this community can gather. But even then, it goes beyond just that basic sense, right? So what you were talking about with your living room is the same thing that an architect should be considering when they're designing for a particular community. Well, okay, yes, we want it to function in these ways and. But more than that, there's a sense of who are these people and what is their mission, their distinctive mission, right? Their understanding of themselves. Okay, this is such a great conversation. Now I'd love to bring Dan back into the discussion for my next question because both of you are practicing artists and makers and creatives. So I'd like to get both of your perspectives on this. Here's the question. 
which is basically like with so much going on in the world, so many pressing needs, so many concrete pressing needs and difficulties in the world, how can I justify making art when there are so many important things I could be doing? Right now, that question is flawed in my opinion, but that's <laughs> that's what gets, and both of you guys m- make art, and so the so the question is, how do I justify just making art when I could be doing something meaningful with my life? <laughs> well, Dan, I love the look on your face when I actually even posed the question. It was kind of like, oh, huh? um, because I think because you're in a uh, your perspective is different. You're, yeah. So what what do you what you got? Yeah, I I just want to go back to the question because I know like we talk about a big thing we talk about for Be Make Do and the whole Soulmakers curriculum is we're at we're thinking about art all wrong. We're asking the wrong questions, and I know why you're asking that question. And the question um, I'm putting my 2024 lens on it. It's offensive. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, it is. It, it's, yes. it's offensive in a way. And so I'm going to go back like, you know, this idea of like, you know, watching 80s movies and all these things where the, the kid says, I want to go to art school. And the parent says, why do you want to waste your life type of thing? And we're still right. we're still doing that. Um, I know a friend of mine, I won't say their name. I know a friend of mine who has a uh, a kid and 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 he also thinks the same way i i don't want i don't want my child to waste her life by getting an art degree and so we still have this lens on but trying to get people to to rethink about all these other uh, social issues and cultural issues how about we we talk about art now and really take it seriously and so that question is sort of like well what does that even mean like mm. why 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 are you asking why what is that it's the person that's asking it, I think, has the wrong lens on. And I yeah. think artists have been like, you know, sort of scared the whole time. And, and I think we're at a point where, um, and I don't, I, I'm not saying like it's offensive, but it, it is offensive in, in a way because then it makes us feel like what we do doesn't matter. And we've already been through so much struggle. So to, to I hope I answered that, okay, by saying I'm, I'm, I'm offended. But I really- yeah, it, it demeans the legitimacy of of art, right? It, it makes it seem like art is something. I, I mean, Lisa, you use the word like frivolous, right? That it's something that doesn't really contribute anything to society. That it doesn't really have much purpose in terms of what's really important. Right. And, and that's just, I mean, that's offensive to those of us who have made our lives, you know, about this thing. Right. And, and the people that are saying that are the consumers of the art. They're the consumers of right. the television shows and, and the brilliant writing that's, well, not happening right now, but uh, the things in television and movies and, and, and all the music that comes out in the thing and the podcasts and, and, and everything that it takes to be a creator um, at all aspects, which is, you know, whether you're a DJ or a, a podcast host or a musician or um, a wedding band performer or anything where there's a skill to it and you're putting more time in, and, and not to mention that we all have other full time jobs, right? We, we, you know what I mean? So we already have the struggle of working mm. 60 plus hours a week. So you're putting 20 hours of a, a week into your, your, um, your art and then your 40, 45 or whatever hours you're working into your job. So that gets tiresome. You know what I mean? And at this point, I'm in rehearsal more, more on a weekly basis than I ever have in my entire life. 
So I'm in rehearsal about just a rehearsal with the band itself. Um, and I'm in two bands. So we're talking about 10 hours a week, plus all the shows, plus the promotion, plus the branding and all the, all the dumb things, honestly, that you have to do as a musician now is like, you got to have a TikTok and an Instagram and you got to promote and you got to do videos and you have to make music videos and you have to have a presence and you have to play the show and it has to be good and there needs to be reviews and you know what I mean? So it gets tiresome for sure. Uh, but to say why do that when there's other important stuff to do well that constitutes what what constitutes as as what's important to you mm -hmm. you know what i mean well dan i mean you you mentioned something that relates to a conversation lisa and i had earlier which is when you were saying that a lot of the people who are questioning the value of the arts are the ones who are consuming it right <laughs> you know and so it, it's not that they don't want art or, or culture as part of their lives, but that they're um, minimizing the importance that it plays even for them, which goes back to what Lisa and I were talking about earlier about being not conscious, conscious of the um, impact that arts really has on our lives. Right. Yeah. So they can minimize this because they don't see the influence that it has, that they don't recognize the influence that the TV shows they're watching or the, the podcast they're listening to or the music that they're consuming, that any of that, right, is that how it's shaping how they, they see the world and how they're living within the world. They're thinking of it as something on top of, of, of their real life when it really is is seeping into the very fabric of of what makes up their life. Yeah, like it's like the backdrop of their life and it's the entertainment. So they think of it as the entertainment in their life, but not about the process of what it took to get to the end point, which was consumption. Right. And even yeah. then they're they're minimizing the the value that entertainment has in their life mm -hmm. and what art is doing in their lives as more than entertainment. So yeah. the way it's shaping their worldview, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, and, and I'm not saying this as, oh, those dumb consumers, right? This is most of us aren't yeah. aware of, of what it's, it's doing in how, how art is functioning in our lives beyond entertainment, or even, you know, what it's, it's doing for us as entertainment and how that can be incredibly value valuable or, you know, and, or destructive uh, or harmful, depending on what we're consuming. As you're talking about from a spiritual perspective, Dan, I think it's, it, it is important. I think it's essential for us as Christians to acknowledge the fact that art has the capacity to do that, that art does impact on those bigger levels. And so then to be self-reflective, to say, how do I approach the work in a way that honors the fact that that art is is something that that affects people's souls and and the entertainment piece elisa you're talking about that i think the neat i've even come to appreciate comedians just yeah. I, said, I even appreciate comedians <laughs> now can you believe it? but that need to I'm laugh offended. <laughs> yeah. I, know. I, I actually know a couple of comedians who are probably very offended by that too but uh, yeah, it's just that neat. Like I seek that out sometimes on Netflix yeah. because I'm just like, I just need to laugh. Yeah. I need something that's going to take me out of that. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been a really wonderful little conversation and such a big, big topic. So thanks for your thoughtful and uh, 
<laughs> offensive responses. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Anytime. <Thank you. laughs> so now it's your turn. And here's the question I want you to spend some time reflecting on. What if this intention that God has for art and design in the tabernacle is also a part of your calling as an artist? And how can your intention around how and what you create align more specifically with that intention? Thanks for listening to Be, Make, Do, a Soulmakers podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcast. Want to join the Soulmakers movement? Sign up for our newsletter at soulmakers.org. All links and resources for this episode can be found in our show notes.